Welcome to the Making Leader Moves podcast, the show that brings powerhouse Latinas together to discuss the moves they took to prioritize joy in their careers. My name is Paulette Piñero, your co-host, and I'm here with badass co-host Giovanna Rosales. Hola, hola. How's everyone doing? <laughs> so today we have a great show for you. We'll be talking about perfectionism, and Giovanna and I are both recovering perfectionists <laughs> with the powerhouse leaders from Level of Latina. They have an incredible podcast that you'll learn more about. They offer coaching and have an online community for Latina. So they got everything. So welcome, Cecilia, Irene, and Veronica. Hola, hola, hola. Hola. So happy to be here with you, ladies. Excited to have you. Yes. So who wants to introduce themselves first? We're going to rock, paper, scissors it. Just kidding. Now. Okay. I think let's go in alphabetical order. Let's do it. So see, that would be you. <laughs> that, would be, that would be me. And with all these mute bikes, I finally figured out how to do it. But yeah, so I'm Cecilia Rodriguez. I go by Ceci. Uh, I'm a co-founder with Level of Latina. I'm a, I'm a career coach. And I'm also um, uh, an attorney. I, I currently work for a nonprofit legal aid here in San Francisco, helping the elderly and disabled adults in four different areas of law. Uh, I live in San Francisco. I was born and raised in Hayward, California, which is in the East Bay. I'm a first-generation Latina, making leader moves, con mis comadres, business partners, Vero and Irene. So thank you for having us. That's going to be tough to follow because Sissy's incredible. Yeah. And then you're going to have Vero. That's going to be even more incredible. But my name is Irene again. Irene Quevedo, proudly Quevedo. Born and raised in Inglewood, California, Southern California. Proud Mexican, but married to Guatemalan. So I got to throw that out there because it's important to him that I do so. He's a proud Central American. Vero and I have that in common. I'm a life coach, business coach. Yes, right. We love being in Central America. In fact, we've been to a lot of countries and my kids love it. But Guatemala, especially people got to get out there. It's gorgeous. Uh, but yeah, life coach, business coach. Super proud of this work. I also work with a nonprofit as their CEO and moving that work forward really means a lot to me. So it's really great to do coaching in a lot of aspects of my life. I currently reside in Redondo Beach, California with my family, our dog, that total whole vibe. But I've got some amazing kids over here, one in high school, one in middle school, one in elementary bananas. But uh, it's exciting. Thank you for having us. Oh, my son starts high school tomorrow and I am, <laughs> I'm not okay. I took the whole day off today because my daughter started fourth grade and my son starts high school and I need to see my therapist. I can't wait for Wednesday. So we'll talk outside of the recording. Yeah. Like emotional support. Yes. Let's not start it. with the waterworks again. Right, okay. Vero, right? Yes. So I'm Vero. I am also one of the three co-founders of Level Platina. We, I'm one of the lucky ones to say I get to work with my really, really good friends that have learned, seen me emerge from a young adult to the woman that I am today, have given me some of the best advice I could have ever asked for. Um, so currently outside of, you know, being a life and business coach, I am a full-time mama of a one, two, and three-year-old. My three-year-old, or we do, we can do bilingual here, right? We could jump into the Spanish. Okay. Claro. Um, because <laughs> I, I sometimes that happens and I just want to make sure everything's okay. We need to translate. We will. But I today was my daughter's first day of preschool. And outside of the, you know, the cautious of, you know, COVID and everything that's happening, 
we decided it's the best thing to do. She needs amiguitos and amiguitas and to get get out and see different faces. So today was her first day of preschool. So when I say bring on the waterworks, ladies, I'm with you on it. And we sometimes have to let go, right? The perfectionist, having control, that part of us, we just, you know, she's got to grow up and it's not just mommy and our little mm-hmm. environment. It's another bubble. So yeah, but I'm really happy to be here with you guys as well. Yeah. I'm not a mom, but I'm a full-time tia, and I had hey. water work last week. I dropped them off. I dropped off my niece at kindergarten. I was like, is it? Is it? <laughs> and she was very happy. I saw pictures, and she was like, bye. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I got my backpack. Was, yeah. She told me it was fine to leave her. Like, she's oh. like, okay, have a good day. And I was like, I just need to make sure you get in that building, girl. <laughs> she, you like, held your hand. She's like, tia, are you going to be okay? That auntie love is like beautiful. Like I didn't realize until I had my own kids that I love my nieces and nephews. Like if they were my own kids, like I love them so much, but I couldn't understand until I had kids that like, yeah, I love them like that hard. Like where when they go to college, they cry. I want to be there with my sister for all those milestones, my brother's kids too. And it's like, love is love, you know? So that first day of school, it hits, it hits if you are involved. Because it takes a village to raise the kids, right? right? Yeah. I say that all the time completely the opposite because I had nieces and nephews beforehand and I was like I love these kids so much and like you know I get emotional too like last year with my oldest nephew who went to you know started high school I was like crying at the graduation so I remember like going into motherhood thinking like how is the love gonna change like how is it gonna change because I love these kids so much and how can I love more or is it different kind of love so it was until I got had my own I was like okay it's different but the same, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like, you know, I was just like, I was questioning myself, like, how, como I can estas niñas, you know? Mm-hmm. Your own, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So who here is a perfectionist? Ceci? <laughs> Vero's like, mm. Recovering, recovering a little. Okay, I, quit, I quit perfectionism a long time ago, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I keep telling folks like yeah I'm a recovering perfectionist and and <laughs> I'm a recovery every single day but so oh that's interesting Vero so tell me when was the moment when you realized perfectionism wasn't for you or was holding you back I think the first time was definitely um, I was young I was young and it was a constant comparison between myself and my sister um, and nothing wrong against my sister, but I think you don't tell a young little girl that's striving to just to be told one thing, like you're you can do so much, y, y puedes, y te, eres tan valiente, and you're so this, and then be told, ay, portate mejor, you know, why aren't you more like your sister? Look, she does this, and she's like, in the sense, like painting this ideal uh, image of the perfect Mexican American daughter, right? And it was a constant struggle. For me, and I know I always I always describe myself as very rebellious. I started rebelling against my parents and then their rules. And not in the sense to just go against what they were saying, but because I felt that I wasn't that perfect image, that I was going to become this person that did not necessarily have to be what someone else was. And in this case, it was my sister. And, you know, she she kind of followed that role of the, the you know, she was the oldest in our family. And, you know, she her ideal was like, I, my dream is to be a mom. I want to be a great mom. And then for me, I was like, I want to be a singer, dancer. I want to go do this. And I felt it was nothing was impossible. But I feel that it was a constant reminder, like, why are you more like her? Where I was like deviating more and far, far from it. I felt that was I was not that. So I needed to be something else. Not necessarily 
what I wanted wasn't perfect. It was just not what they, their idea of perfect was. And I couldn't fit that mold and they had to just break through. So I was young. I was little. I was, you know, maybe seven, six, seven years old and then kept being being who I am till now. <laughs> well, maybe it's hurt me. Maybe it's not. But I mean, I'm good where I'm at today. <laughs> good. What about the rest of you? When we started our business, we, sorry, Sissy, when we started our business, it's funny because we would always kind of say to ourselves, you know, progress, not perfection, because if you're so hung up on perfection, like it would never be right. Like the website's not going to be right. The Instagram's not going to be right. The way we do our coaching won't be right. Like let's move it along. And I'm proud of us because I think the three of us, regardless of where we were in our perfectionism stage, regardless of where that was, we found a way to coexist and use a little bit of each of us. So I know Ceci's going to segue into she can be more of a perfectionist and Vettel's like, not really. And I'm like, well, sort of in the middle recovering. But I think that it helped our business <laughs> I love that. that we're in three different places because I know that for me, it really changed when I became the CEO of my organization. I just knew there was no way that I wanted my staff to A, want to emulate perfection because that was fake and false. And I would not have an authentic team. And I didn't want to be like falling apart at the seams because that's not professionalism or poise or progress or all those other great P words, um, like being punctual things that are good habits I wanted them to have those habits but I didn't want them to strive to be perfect because I thought there was no such thing but I wanted them to be professional I wanted them to be on time for things and just treat their profession in a way that is respecting it but you know sometimes you fall apart or sometimes it doesn't look perfect or no matter how much you put into something there's gonna be life and mistakes and things won't go right and so you can't plan for everything so I like that balance and I did it for me selfishly, like as a CEO, I wanted that balance of sort of like, we want to do things well, we don't want to half ass anything, but we also want to give ourselves grace. And it was just so important to go through those years trying to find a happy medium of what perfection is, because it really cannot be totally found. But to try to strive for doing right by people and right by things, I think we found some kind of balance. And it really helped, I think, with Level of Latina for us to move along and be willing to make mistakes along the way. How about you, Ceci? I think for me, I'm, I'm the oldest in my family, you know, first to go to college, first to everything, right? So I think for me, that's why, not not because my parents were pushing me, but I think for me, I wanted to take that role. You know, everything has to be per perfect. My husband says, everything has to be perfect. Like he'll say that to me because when he's, he sees me kind of cleaning and everything has to be like in its place, everything has to be perfect too. Like, you know, he'll say that uh, as a joke, but it's like, I don't know. I think that, I think being the oldest, that's kind of like the role that I took. I, you know, I had to go to college. I had to finish in four years. I had to, you know, I wanted to go to law school. So being the box checker, right? And I think for the majority of my life, that helped me because it, it I was disciplined. I was organized. And it was just kind of, it helped me navigate each new level that I was arriving at. Uh, so I think it, it, it helped me in that, in that, um, in that arena, kind of like getting to the to the goal, right? That I wanted career career wise, but it also, um, you know, your question was like, has it hindered you in any in any way? And I think, yeah, because I I take so much time in trying to perfect something, right? Sometimes it's like, you know, you know, just get it done. But it's like, no, I want it, I want it, I want it perfect. I want this, you know, brief to look perfect. I wanted to, I wanted to look, you know, nice. And I want, when I send out a rough draft, I want it to look super, super good. And um, hindering in the fact that, you know, sometimes it takes me longer because I'm, you know, spending way more, way more time that I need to. So I, I would say that, that that's the hindering, but 
I think through the process, I, I've also learned kind of like what a little bit of what Irene was saying that uh, perfectionist, perfectionalism does not, um, sorry, perfectionist does not mean professionalism because you can, you can be professional still and, and it doesn't have to look perfect, right? And I know we've learned that a lot, especially in this past year with everything being via Zoom and sometimes we have technical 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 difficulties but we show up right we're professional we prepare and we're professional and it doesn't have to look perfect so I think that's something that I've definitely learned along the way that you know not not everything will be perfect and it's going to be okay I love that and I can totally resonate with Ceci because I as well am first born uh first yeah, me too. And especially in my immediate family only one to graduate only want to go to college and like same thing I had amazing support from my family but they they never put that list of expectations. I think it was just me because of feeling all of the outside pressure, all the pressure, even within my own community, right? It's they're always like, tienes que ayudar a los demás, so los que no tienen, you know, acceso a, 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 to all these resources. You're like, yeah, I have to be the savior. Uh, but I think with all that perfectionism, you know, you it's so it weighs on you so heavy, and that's when you start breaking, right? Whether it's burnout or whether it's perfectionism at its finest. And I can relate to, especially when you're talking about rough drafts, like I used to be the person who used to write an email and go over it five times before even sending it out. And then at one point, actually it was, I was, I was reading this book that Paulette had recommended to me called Brave Not Perfect. And like, she talks about how much energy you waste, like not only time, but energy. And it was so true. I was like, okay, now it looks like I can't perform at my job because I'm like, you know, using up all this time or all of a sudden I'm working OT, but you're not. It's just that you're trying to catch up because again, you're reading these drafts over and over. And so now like as a recovering perfectionist, I read it once, like I'll write it, whether it's in, whether I'm thinking about it in Spanish or in English, I write it. Then I edit it and I'm like, you know what? That's it. Like I'm doing it once for grammatical errors and lo mando and they'll get the gist of it. And if there's a grammatical error, they'll survive. It's not a big deal. So, and, but that takes time and that takes practice. So I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting for you to not do it as much. We're here for you. We're here for you. The funny thing is that as Latinas, we go through that. I know a lot of the clients I've worked with has been the, the situation where the, the case has been that they're like, you know, one of my clients is like, I want to buy a house. I can give back to my parents. I want to be able to do this with my parents, for my parents. And I'm like, well, have you asked your parents if this is what they wanted? Have you talked to your parents about this? And two of them that had this very like pressure, like felt the pressure of having or wanting to give back. They had, they had that sit down with their parents were like, look, I feel that I want to give back. And you've made so many sacrifices. And the parents are like, no, 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 no. Like we did all that from our end, because we wanted the best for you, right? We made those sacrifices because we had to, not because we wanted you to pay us back later. And I feel that it really helps us get rid of what other expectations are. Like we, we project their expectations onto ourselves, right? It's just all these projections are like, well, my parents want me to give back. My parents have done so much for me. I want, it's otra cosa que te nazca to give back, but don't right. feel like it's the yeah. pressure that that's what your parents want you to do. And I feel that once they communicated that, or once we communicate with those people, that have brought upon those expectations on us, it makes things like oh, so much easier to just keep moving. Like, okay, then I don't have to do all this work. I don't have to do all this unless I want to. I want to do this. And then, yeah, you make your plan for it. But I think it's constantly the expectations that we're, we're constantly trying to strive for. And to and go further on that point, Vero, like you, 
you guys all kind of touched on like upbringing and family. I'm also the baby in my family. And there was also a lot of comparison in my family that kind of creates that need for perfectionism. But also to me, it was like my mom always saw other families as having it together and other families as being perfect. And like our family was the broken one and we had to be better. We had to be better. So it was this pressure to like have it all together, even though you don't which is really deadly and scary for families because I think you're not connected or united even. And so whenever I've gone through some hard times in my life, like my family's the last one that I would turn to because like, well, I have to have it all together. Like I'm the one that went to college. I'm first gen. I make decent money compared to other people. Like I have to have it all together. And I've had to learn through life. Like, no, like sometimes I just needed my freaking mom. You know, I just needed my mom. And there's, she's like the last person I would say, like, my husband's driving me crazy. You know, how lonely, like you want to go to your mom. But because there was all this judgment and negativity and comparison to having to have it all together, it's like you don't turn to your family, which is so sad. You know, like I have one sister and I would love to not have this weirdness between us about being really honest and vulnerable. Because like, what's the opposite, right? Sometimes I think the opposite of being perfect is being vulnerable and honest and just like raw. But if it's not totally allowed and we don't know why, it's very lonely. I think it's very, very lonely because you're just kind of navigating it, trying to look a certain way. Yeah, that's why you have to just break through and talk. Like, yo soy así. I'm like, you know what, you know. <laughs> I need help too, you know, like, and I would always try to make, we always try like Latinas, we're like that. We keep this very strong face front, you know, we're like, mm -hmm. no, we're somos mujeres fuertes. And, you know, you stay strong instead of like, girl, you need a hug. I'm sending you a hug. Like, you know, we say good vibes, but it's like, no, do you really need, if you need to cry, cry. We were just talking about waterworks. Like, it, hey, yeah. it is what it is. Right. And it also is what we make of it. So for me, I was just like, I'm done as constantly being seen as, as like the strong one. Y que, que me vale. Like, cause me, si me importa. I, I do have fucks to get. Mm -hmm. Sorry if I just dropped yeah, that No, no. Love like, it. I do. And, and in this case, it came from like my nieces. They were growing up. I became a tia at 11 years old. You know, who became, you know, I don't know how to be a tia. <laughs> and so I learned to become an aunt little by little. And now that they're older, they're like, yeah, it's okay. Like, this is when I got pregnant, not being married, you know, it was he is my husband now, you know, he was going to be my baby daddy co-parent, but then now he is my husband. We have a family, you know, we established a home, which worked out, but the, that wasn't the plan. Originally I was okay with like, okay, I'm good with being a single mom. I am like financially stable. I own my home. I had all these things like where I felt comfortable that I can make this decision despite what anybody else wanted from me. Right. My parents were always like, casate, pobremente, pero casate. It doesn't matter how much, you know, I'm like, money doesn't matter bad. Like, what matters is that you have a supportive partner, that you, the person that's in your life yeah. wants to be in your life and all these things. And that you're able to have communication, blah, blah, blah. All that goes into relationships, right? But it got to a point where I was like just feeling like um, it takes a toll on also being that rebel, right? And mm -hmm. it takes a toll on being that strong person. And one day, one of my nieces, the youngest one, she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. And she's like, it, it seems like you need a hug. Like you're just giving off, like Aww. you just need a hug. And she goes, it's okay, Tia, to not have it, mm -hmm. like to not be the strong one. You don't have to pretend you don't have feelings. And I looked at her and I just bawled, dude, <gasps> cried. And I was like, how they did they you know? And they I was just so tired, tired That's of awesome. like, Awesome. Being this person, you know, because simply, you know, like you're always fighting for something and this and that and, and going like going contra la corriente because you're just like you see everything that's wrong and you want to write it. You want to, mm -hmm. you know, you see everything that's going bad around you. Like Giovanna pointed out earlier, like, you know, I'm going to be the resource. I'm going to be this. But it starts like taking a toll on you because you spread yourself so thin. And then it's like, do I have feelings? I do show them and being vulnerable so hard, especially as a woman and being Latina expected to be 
fierce and strong y so decidida. So that was my, like, my tipping point. Yeah. yeah like, you have to be fiery and powerful in this. And like, it is entrepreneur. Oof, todavía. Porque you need to compete with men and other women. It's like, pero, 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 si ya la sociedad is trying to kill me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and I, like, I mean, like, I get it. I, you know, I live, my, all my family lives in Puerto Rico. So it's just me and my husband and our two kids here in Massachusetts, my sister-in-law with her family. It's around 40 minutes away and we love her and we, you know, spend time with her, but they have their own life and they have family around. And for, you know, my husband is very close to his family, but because I was raised in their environment where it's like, que lo próximo, you know, I had, I got pregnant at 19 I got my son at 20, got my first divorce by 23, and it I was constantly failing for my family. I graduated, I went to college and I tried and I went part-time and I finished my bachelor's degree at 28. And for my family, it, even though I was growing, I had great jobs and a great salary and building stability for my kids and my family, found a partner that I love. It was La cuera esta. <laughs> like, you know, like every mistake that could possibly be made, I made. So a way to protect myself was, you know, I'm strong and the sarcasm and I don't care and I don't need anyone. And the, it's like um, we have an episode about hustle culture, but like that's also how it felt. Like I have to like impress people and I and mm -hmm. you were talking about growth personally and I see this a lot with career growth where we feel like career growth and development is a ladder mm -hmm. that shit's lonely because and yes. that's a step <laughs> yeah and it's a step it's only one person fits you know when it's a ladder you can't bring your girls you can't bring your network it's just you because it's only you working towards that perfection that is for other people when and when you get out of that and when you are feel comfortable with being emotional when you prioritize your joy what you want for your life then it goes from being a ladder to creating a path and on a path, you can bring your crew. In a path, mm -hmm. you can build your network. In a path, you can fall and keep moving. In a path, you can find different ways to achieve your goals, whether it's being the CEO or the business owner or growing in your career, maybe in the same role or at the same level, but new responsibilities, new challenges, new projects, filling up your bucket somewhere else. It, it once you stop focusing on what because I feel that perfectionism comes with that with it's not just about us it's also about other people's perceptions of what we do and that you know that's something that I myself had had to work on through therapy because I didn't have the tools to do it by myself so, and so what I'm hearing, Paula, right, is that you have found some pretty awesome kick-ass tools to help you succeed, right, and to help you thrive. Mm -hmm. And so now my question goes to the rest of our Latina amigas here are, 
What are some of the solutions that you have come up with to thrive in your career or business? I know Veda was talking a lot about open, open communication. And I agree, communication is key. And then we should definitely have an episode of just communication alone. Um, but what are yeah. some other tools and resources that you ladies have used um, to, to help you thrive? I think I just a little bit more on that note, because I think you're going to do a whole show and it's going to be great. But in this world of social media, I think it's a slippery slope because it is the perfection epitome because it's just people's highlight reel. So for instance, for someone who, who is like me, I love social media. I've always loved it. I always put plenty on it. I don't have a lot of different platforms. So I'd probably throw up on all of them. So it's like Instagram is my scrapbook. So I put a lot on Instagram. And I think that gives off this idea that everybody knows what's going on with me. Well, they only know my highlight and it's only positive things. If you really know me and it's just a few people that really know me, it's like that's just this tiny, tiny percent of who I am. And it just adds to this weird communication. It's this weird like people think they know what I'm putting out into the world based on my social media, but really know nothing about me. So we had this uh, this um, get together with our friends all us girls and we had like five other friends there we were all in palm springs a couple weekends ago and it was really nice it was like a bonding night but i got there late i wasn't there on the bonding night and they had this question that they posed to the group uh and the question was like tell us about your life you know since we've last gotten together in the last 20 years since college in one minute and it was great the day that i got there because everybody was like giving their recap about their one minute and i asked about people's one minute and i heard about how some people took way more than a minute because man they needed it and it was like beautiful right this bonding was beautiful and I waited all weekend for somebody to ask me about my life in a minute. And it never happened. And I and I don't mean that with ego. I mean, that was like, it must be very obvious that my life is what's on social media. So there's nothing beyond it. And I know the two women here, they get enough of my life every day and know me so well that they're not going to ask. So I came back thinking like, wow, that's powerful if you think about it. Like the tool would be then to don't internalize when you don't understand what's going on with the world, A, because that's what happened to me. Like I was like, I could be really offended that nobody actually asked me the question, but no, you can't internalize what's happening with the world. We don't know anybody's world, right? But B, it felt to me that maybe people think they know my world. So what I need to do, the tool is I need to over communicate when I feel those things. So reach out to my friends and say, hey, do you want to know about my one minute? You know, as, as crazy as that might sound. But it I was about to say that. Come on, girl. Are you going to? Yeah, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to study my one minute all year. And next year's reunion, it's going to be like perfect. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's not going to be perfect. But the point is that when you feel whatever you feel, like, my God, for communication's sake, like, put it out there. Put it out there. Find the tools. I mean, the way we were raised has a lot to do with it. Just the social media facade has a lot to do with it. But it keeps us from saying what we feel when we need it the most. And Vero gave an example of that. We've given examples about that at work, that we come across one way at work if we're trying to be perfect. But that's not it. Right, Yolanda? Like, it's not it. You just wanted to have the perfect event, the perfect email. For me, it's like I felt like, hey, I wanted my friends to genuinely connect with me. Like, ask me about me in a way that's deep, not in a way that's, like, shallow because we have that on social media. But when you need what you need, ask for it, ask for help. We're like the proponents for that level of Latina, like ask for help. We're not trying to ask for help. Therapy, Paulette brought up, is magical. It's another one of the tools. So asking for help, saying what you need, specifically say what you need, put yourself out there, take up that space. So for those that are catching this, like think about that one minute, like that one minute where someone says, share your life with me in one minute, like that's you taking up the space to get what you need. And if you need a lot more than a minute, go to therapy. <laughs> that, that's the other point. I didn't want to say take more than the minute if they ask you. <laughs> Sometimes that's what you need, right? To just be asked. Yeah. 
Um, I think for me, it's been, I've reached out. I've done the therapy, not the, I don't want to label it the. I've done therapy and it was one of those, I've never imagined myself going to therapy, but I was always very open to it. I wanted to be a psychotherapist. I wanted to be a psychiatrist. Um, and then I thought maybe med school wasn't for me, not thought, but I knew med school wasn't for me. That wasn't what I wanted to do at the end of the day. Um, but like Irene mentioned, the asking for help and then going to the people that know the experts, like really knowing like, Hey, you know what? I'm ready for the next move in my life or my career in this case. Um, and going to the people that can prepare you for that. I worked in for a long time in the rental car industry and then transitioned into the, just the car industry for other parts, later parts of my, um, my corporate career. And it's very male dominated. And the thing is that the people that are going to be, you know, you're going to find the, you know, the women that are out there that have, are starting to pave the road for you. And, you know, you can reach out to them and ask them for help and guidance. I luckily, I, we recently had a conversation and a podcast about our mentors and our champions. And I spoke about Lakeisha, Lakeisha Harvey, who was one of my, the main women that just like really, provided that support, the professionalism, because I didn't have anyone else to turn to. And she was like, girl, let me tell you how it is. And this is what, you know, and she's like, I like how you are. You're such, you know, you're so like, um, you're so different than everybody else, but we have to kind of mold you into being able to get what you want when you ask, not just like, here comes this girl that thinks she knows it all and expects mm -hmm. me to just give her what she needs because she knows it all. So with the way of presenting your words, you know, how you, how the, how people are going to perceive your message and all of that. So really cleaning me up as a professional, but I've learned to also ask the men that are there. So at one point in my career, I was already in management and I wanted that next position and it, the economy had just gone really bad. And this is before 2008. So we're having some hardship, right? In 2007, 2006, 2007. And I knew that my next step was to go from a manager, a branch manager of the, the rental car business, you know to the area manager. I want to be in charge of multiple offices and run a big team. And I'm like, I know I could do it. So I had to reach out to the men. And they were like, are you serious? Uh, but you know, the economy is rough. Like, what's the point of learning right now if there's no promotions available? And I go, because when the time comes, I want to be ready. And they were like, okay. So at first it was kind of like the fact that the there would no be no openings will be available soon they kind of put me off for a bit. But since I kept asking and kept asking and kept asking, it came to the point where they're like, she's not giving up. Let's start having these weekly meetings with her. Let's start having her understand what it takes to be an area manager. What will that, what will that interview look like when she meets in front of, you know, the, 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 the regional directors and the regional presidents? Like, how can she present herself? And these are all men that are in those positions, right? So for me, I'm like, I'm going to get a yes. And I'm going to be persistent and I'm going to be resilient, right? And I'm going to just keep going until they teach me how and, you know, and, and be relentless. Yes, Irene, we had asked a question about being re relentless. And I was, I was very relentless because I wanted my growth. No one had, no one else can want it more than you. And I knew we talk about having leadership qualities. It's one thing to be, you know, have these qualities and not be able to develop them. But when you ask for the help and ask for the guidance and really, challenge the people that are in those positions to guide you through that because we don't have I didn't have many people to look to for that guidance mm -hmm. so I had to demand it from them and ask it of them and until they were like okay she's serious let's give her let's give her some time then then it really it, you really just had to be very relentless and persistent with wanting that growth so you have to want it more than anybody else are you, are you saying you have to level up? By all means necessary, use the tool. All, yes. 
And it's going to get lonely. It's going to get lonely, but we got to do it. We have to just really do it. Yeah. And it's, sometimes it's scary too, because you leave a lot of, you know, your past behind or what, or your present that becomes your past, right? Like you leave some primos behind, you leave some amigas, you know, since high school behind you like, and it's sad, but that's sometimes it, that's what it takes sometimes to level up. And that's okay too, because everyone has different phases of life. So love to hear the tools. Ceci, what about you? I think for me was learning to set boundaries and ask for help. So, you know, I know we got to that point, like ask for help, ask for help. I think early on in my career, I didn't. I was so used to, I was a legal system, right? So I was like, I had a lot of little, um, you know, deadlines and things like that. So I became an attorney in the same firm. And I was like holding on to all of that still because I was, one, I was scared to give it up because I, I knew how to do it already. <laughs> and then second of all, I, I don't know, I thought because, I think also because the way we're brought up, like we can handle it, somos chingonas. I think that too uh, played into that. And it, it took a while, right, for me to learn how to, one, ask for help. And then second, like set those boundaries. Like don't say yes to everything. Don't overcommit yourself, right? And the turning point for me was it really when like the, the light switched was when I became a, a mom. I always thought, I always like, um was proud of the long hours that I was putting into that firm that private firm and I always thought I was going to like you know be there one law firm and I thought um like I glor glorified that like mm -hmm. oh my god that's so cool que chingona they're gonna you know maybe I'm gonna be on the partner track one day I thought that was for me and the turning point was when I became a mom I remember uh, you know as we were planning to have babies whatnot my husband was like well you think you would take time off you know to to be a mom and I said no I know no why would I do that I'm gonna be able to handle it <laughs> little did I know that one I was gonna have twins and second of all that it was gonna it was gonna switch for me right it wasn't all about my career anymore more it was like my family my girls I wasn't thriving in my career anymore I was like tired I was dreading like you know my drive into the office I was just dreading I'm like oh my god and at the end of the day, I would get home and most of the time my babies were asleep already. So I was missing out. So I think that was, I was like, okay, I need to figure out what it is that I want to do because I'm not loving my career as much as I was loving it. So after a tough conversation with like my boss at the time and then my husband, you know, how are we going to make this work? And we, I, I decided that I was going to take some time off to you know just be a mom and that's the time that level of latina was born but at that point um yeah i was like a full-time mom and doing all these activities but i was also um building this business with vero and irene and to me that wasn't work it was something that really thrived me uh or that i felt that i was thriving right at and when it came time like the beginning of this year when me going back to to work or going back to practicing law, I really wanted to, you know, have those boundaries where like I can manage both, right? Because it's it's two jobs essentially, but I wanted to have the flexibility at my, you know, practicing law where I can still coach women and do all of this. And I think that's that's what I'm doing, you know, going forward. Like, okay, I'm setting boundaries. What is my week going to look like? Okay. Um, you know, what are my commitments with Level of Latina? What are my work commitments? Do I have any deadlines? 
and I feel so good. Like I just feel, <laughs> I feel good. I feel I don't have that like dreading feeling. I get um, overwhelmed with the mess in my bed. I'm looking at it, but work-wise, I'm like, all right, I got this, you know. So I think that's that was kind of what I learned: setting those boundaries and being okay with those boundaries, asking for help, and being okay with saying no. The why, Look. the why of your goals changed, mm-hmm. and it's sometimes mm-hmm. part of. Perfectionism tendencies is like we feel like the goal that we set at another phase of our life, that that that's the ultimate goal, and it can change, and and it can because life changes, we change our situations, our circumstances, or because no sale del forro, and we don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> and that's so, okay, right? Those things are and that's okay. okay. Yeah. That's I think okay. the perfectionism, the perfectionist can keep us. Like, I mean, how does it, how can it help us? And how does it help us or, or help us or hurt us, right? And mm-hmm. many times we're like, we think of the perfect idea, the perfect situation, the perfect circumstance. You're in the career you love, but sometimes you're just like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore, but it, but I have to do it just because it's, you know, it's what I was meant to do or what people are, want me to do. And, and, and we don't see that we can pivot that and we can mm-hmm. change it because we're just so stuck on one thing. But we, yeah. we're changing people. We got to change with everything, you know, and allow ourselves grace, like Irene said, when we come to the point where we're like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like, why force ourselves? I think a lot of us stay stuck in things just because of this idea that that's how it's supposed to be. Oh, it's just really hard, you know, being a grown up, a mom and a professional and my job is just difficult. No, if it feels like it's difficult, then maybe it's not where you should be anymore. And that is okay. Irene, one of the things that you talked about when you were sharing that story about the retreat and folks not asking you about what was new in your life because of this perception of your life on social media. Um, One of the things that I have encountered, not only myself as someone who uses social media, seeing these, you know, people that were like, they're perfect, or they have everything figured out. And one of the things that Giovanna and and I want to do with this podcast is demystify that Mm -hmm. leadership needs to look a certain way, or that being powerful means doing things with A, B, and C. So Mm -hmm. I want to ask the three of you, what is one thing that you continue to work on on yourself and your leadership? I love that question. I love it because you said like like this ABC and life is not like that. And I, I love demystifying that idea. And in my leadership, I'm always trying to emulate that it doesn't have to look like the stereotype. It doesn't have to look like what... Um, the senior leader thinks it looks like, or your own mama thinks it looks like, like, I have always felt like if I'm misunderstood, but I'm happy, it's okay. Like, just stay misunderstood. Because I'm happy. And I know the vision and I know the course. And I always think results speak for themselves, ultimately. So at least you can lay your head on night and say, okay, maybe there's all these other agendas, and I should move all these other ways. But these are my results so far, they make me happy. I like the outcome of how I'm choosing to live my life, right? So in leadership, that looks like, when you have a staff that wants to go in a million directions or a board or a 
team? Like, do you know the vision and why? Do you have a strategy? Can you stand by that strategy, even if you're misunderstood, trying to bring up, you know, about that strategy? If so, then stay the course. And you're not going to be everybody's best friend. You're not going to be understood. You may be judged. It then gets very lonely. That's in leadership. But we're also leaders in our families. So in my family, like I have the life that I have because I'm very intentional about the things that are important to me. And so we were raised to think that, you know, divorce is bad, for instance. And there's nothing bad with divorce. Now I have divorced siblings and I'm glad that they broke through. And I'd rather they be misunderstood and happy than freaking miserable and together, right? And in my family too, the idea that like everyone must be a homeowner. Like I can be a homeowner without living in a home. Like I can just invest. I can rent if I choose to my whole life, but live in the city that I want to live in. And like my mom finds that like crazy, right? Like, why would you do that? And it's because she knows that in my life, I spend my money investing in things that matter to me. And she may not understand though. Like she's never going to understand stocks, for example, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't do it. Just stay misunderstood. She'll never understand why I spend so much money traveling. But that means I shouldn't do it. Like it feeds my soul. It's what I'm all about. My husband and I are on the same page with these things. But again, being raised Latinita, you know, it's like I care that my my family will talk shit about the way I live my life, right? And I'm trying not to. Try not to. It takes such backbone and courage is my point. That whole A, B, and C, Paulette, like for you and your life, whoever's listening to this, watching this, your life may be A, a little bit of E, some of G. Like you didn't get the B, the C, the D. It's okay. And I want everybody yep. to be okay with that. But are you happy with the things you have? Are you happy with the life you're living? Does it bring you joy? You all are talking about like finding that joy and having the joy. It took me years to understand like I've built a life I've built because it brings me joy. And my mom doesn't need to understand. My staff doesn't need to understand my whatever it is, wherever there's conflict, as long as I'm doing the right thing. Right. And I'm in integrity and I'm living a good life and I'm being a responsible, good person and contributing. I think embracing being misunderstood is key. Okay. About the rest of you. I was, I wasn't sure if Ceci was going to go because Irene and I nos gusta conversar bastante. <laughs> yes, no. We, like, we don't want to, we want to make sure we share the space equally. Um, <laughs> Ceci, you want to take it away? I'm still thinking about it. So go ahead. Okay. Okay. If you insist. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I think for me, it's been definitely one of those things where like, what are, what are my values, right? What do I believe in? What do, what have I always seen myself, um, like how to envision me in my life in the in, and the people around me. And I've always stuck to that. You know, it's like, if it feels good in my gut, I'm going to push through. Um, a lot of times we push through and we do things as leaders because we think that the, the organization we work with is what they want. And this, it's kind of like a constant, you know, thing that we're talking about throughout this whole conversation, but it's really like, what are your values and your values um, go hand in hand in your professional life and in your personal life, you know, um, and, and in this case for me, like it's always been like, well, what is it? What do I always envision what I wanted my life to be? And I knew it wasn't going to be linear. I knew it wasn't what a lot of people um, ex like envisioned for themselves. But I always feel like, you know, um, I was very gung ho about like being, you know, going, being professional and sticking to my career. But I knew I'm like, you know what? At one point, you know, if, if I end up having kids, I would want to stay home. And, and, and that was like, uh, you know, because I wanted, I knew that one of my values was family and one of my values is creating that, you know, having those being present with my children as, as they're going through it. But I don't judge anybody else about it because it's how I want to live my life. And at this point, I'm stepping back from my career. I'm still leveling up and working with mujeres, like coaching them constantly on a daily basis, you know, with Level of Latina and we bring out a podcast. 
But at the end of the day, like right now, my role is, you know, mom, my role is mom, wife, and, and creating this environment for my children to kind of pick my brain. And sometimes they annoy me and sometimes they don't, but it's like (laughs) being okay with your story. Hmm. I feel that when we're working or when we're at home, it's still a job, right? Whatever we do, (laughs) whatever we do, it has to feel right. So Find find the shade, find the comfort, you know, and get comfortable, Paulette. There you go. I'm like sweating for you. I see the sun in on more you. Ways and I'm than like, one. She's like, find the shade, find the comfort in more ways than one. I thought you were talking about you as a mama. You talking about no, her and that, I was doing shade. that and along with along oh, with Paulette, like oh, guiding oh, her with my words. Oh, and like, yeah. But it's like, oh. um, I just think you have to be okay with where with where you're at in the sense of like not everyone has to be, you know, you know the professional and be the mom and this, it's like, it's hard doing all of those. And some of us are not that we're not better at managing than others. And some of us are, and some of us just choose like, you know, this part of my life, I want to do this, but you have to be okay with that. So sticking true to who you are, sticking true, like being authentic, um, I think has really helped me both in my personal life and in my, in, in my professional, in the professional life of mine as well. Um, and that's hard to stick to what, who you are and what it's in your gut and, being really, truly authentic Mm -hmm. in every aspect. Ditto, being authentic. I think, yes, I've been authentic, I think, toda mi vida, more more so today, now, currently. Um, I couldn't remember this phrase that I say a lot. I say it a lot, and I couldn't remember. I'm like, sacudate. It reminded me. I say que se te resbale, right? So d- don't hang on to things. If you, you know, you do it with vida and, um, you know, whatever works with you, if you're disciplined and you like to have routines, good for you. That's me. And if <laughs> you just kind of like to kind of go with the flow, también, y, y si la gente te va a criticar, um, que se te resuelve, you know, you do you. Um, I know for me, I like to have routines. That's what's worked for me my entire life. And that's what works now. I worked with my daughters. Yeah, you know, on the weekends, we fall out of the routine. And then, you know, and that's okay. Um, I feel like every other, I want to say every other weekend, like I'll have one weekend where I'm doing a lot. And then Monday, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. But then I'll have a weekend where, um, you know, I I plan everything, how the week is going to look. And then on Sundays, I write into my agenda. So then Monday, it's like, I'm ready, like, you know, hit me with it. And then I'm ready for it. Um, so I think that's what's worked for me. And I, I'm going to continue doing that, knowing that it's okay sometimes to uh, let go of that routine like I do, like I did yesterday. I, I slept in and it felt good. And I was just in my pajamas like uh, most of the day. And then and then I'm like, oh, the house is a mess. I'm like, you know what? It's okay. Whatever. I'll figure it out throughout the week. Uh, but then I like get up and get this crazy idea. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to make some barbacoa. Yeah, let's make some barbacoa. Um, and I you know, created this delicious meal, lots of it so that I can have Monday, right, dinner ready. And then I was like, oh, my God, this would taste delicious with, like, um, tortillas de recién hechas. And I used to be, I used to be the person oh that I used to I mean, this meal was perfection. Right? Right? No, I used to say, like, I'm never going to eat tortillas on my own. Never, 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 never. And Vero and Irene are witness that I used to say that. And then the pandemic hit, and I was like, oh, well, you know, I got, got it into it. Uh, but now one of my daughters loves it. So I'm like, Paula, Paula, vente. And so I, you know, I got her in the kitchen. She was like making the tortillas for me and I was just, you know, cooking them. So it worked out. 
That's awesome. Yeah. I think, I guess like at the end of the day, it's almost taking a look in and trying to figure for yourself, what does leadership mean and how can you take those steps? And like for me, right, I'm a, I'm an older millennial. So I was kind of given this cookie cutter of like, he needs to look white. You need to be in a business suit. Your hair needs to be straight. You need to have natural maquillaje. You need to be maximum 90 pounds. You know, like I had all of this idea of what it meant. I didn't check any of that, right? I've always minimum been a size eight at best. Like I just <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't like capture anything of that. But right, like once once you find your community and once you find your people you start breaking them all. You're like, you know what? That isn't what leadership is. That's nothing but aesthetics. Like it takes patience. It takes empathy. It takes authenticity, but even that takes a while. And then you like, I'm, you know, the community director within our community. And I just can't be out here, you know, singing all these praises. Like I need to do the actions too. If I'm a leader, I have to do it. So if I'm telling you, Miha, drink your water or eat, like that's serious. Like I, like, for example, Friday, I didn't eat until 9 p.m. Mm. I got in the car at 7.30 and I told my friend who was mm. cleaning up, like, yo, I'm hangry. I'm just letting you know. But do they deserve that? Do they deserve my emotion? Do they deserve to already be in defense mode? Like, we had been looking forward for a whole week to see one another. And when I finally see him, the first thing I say is like, dude, don't even talk. Mm. Like, figure it out. That's not being a leader. That's not being a leader. So I had to check myself. I apologized, right? Mm -hmm. Like even before I got my food and I was like, I'm so sorry you didn't deserve this. Like that's being a leader. And now mm -hmm. it's like, I've mm -hmm. learned to put it in my calendar. Mm -hmm. You need mm -hmm. to eat. So I have literally blocked out half an hour to eat. And it sounds crazy, but that's a leader. That's a leader being like, you need to eat. You need to have your water, mija, and I'm going to do it too. Giovanna. So you said something really important, though. You're like, I checked myself. So showing up the calendar. I checked myself. Yes. We can be yeah. accountability buddies on, like, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I, I, I love it. But yeah, see, that, I mean, that's one of those things. Being yeah. a good leader also means owning up when you mistake. Yeah, like, that's saying I'm sorry. That was that And was saying, like, you know what? I'm sorry. I messed up. Hey, yeah. I made a mistake because we like we've had this conversation before. Like, yes, we are human, and we think that certain things are going to be done the same way. But not every single circumstance or situation is the same as the one before. So Absolutely. we address it of, as to how we know it, right? But we need to see it with fresh eyes every time. And, and when we mess up, we have to own up to that and and tell our teams and tell our, our family, our friends. You know, it's like, hey, I messed up. This is what we can do to fix it now. Here's the solution, or thank you for fixing it. Um, here's how we'll go forward next time. And, you know, please remind them that they're like, you know, when, when you know that I'm making a mistake or you know that something's wrong, feel free to check me as well and like bring it up. Because many times I feel that when you are in a position of leadership or where you are, you know, when you are the leader, you are the boss, no one wants to come up to you and tell you, hey, yo, you messed up, right? Exactly. But then when you make yourself available and you are that person where you're approachable and someone can be like, hey, can I talk to you about, you know, this situation? I felt that it was handled incorrectly or it, you you pretty much messed up. And then you're like, oh, no one wants to be told the truth like that, right? Because we're like, it hurts. But at the same time, you're like, I am the leader. I am the person here. Yes. How can I be better? And we're constantly learning and growing. We're not perfect. So yeah. we need to be able to open ourselves up for feedback, criticism. And then from the times when we make mistakes, own up to them and and, mm -hmm. and recognize it and apologize. 
system. And mm-hmm. also like, you don't want to be sh- feeling shitty the whole yeah. time. So like the no. sooner you can rectify the situation mm-hmm. with yep. both parties, like the sooner everyone's going to be happy. So like, right. Mm-hmm. As soon as I apologized, I was like, yo, my bad. Like you didn't deserve this. It was like a five minute conversation. And so our whole um, money, like our whole drive to get to the Thai place was like, it was awesome. We were able to catch up, all this other shit. Instead of just being in silencio, right? And being mm-hmm. like, I'm mad. Exactly. Aggressive. <laughs> yeah. But I, I am very interested um, because I'm really into, right? I am the community builder. So I'm really into partnerships. Um, it, get, it gets, it gets my motor going. I did want to ask, how is working with your amigas? And we want to know the good, the bad, and the awesome. <laughs> Who's going first? Yeah, yeah, I think we all froze. Oh my god! <laughs> no, I'm okay. I don't want to go first this time. Sassy, okay. I'll yeah, first. Um, and so I just wanted to point something out. Um, in the background, I have una pomada for my back pain. So no, don't get any ideas. <laughs> I wanted to put it out there. So I think, um, yeah, it, it's very, very fun. But at the same time, uh, we have to, you know, when we're together, right? Like, for example, that weekend that we got together in Palm Springs, we knew we had to record a podcast. And so we had to, like, carve it out the time, make it happen, because we can easily be with amigas. Even with we even when if it's just the three of us, we can get distracted and, you know, and um, be in, you know, with emotions and, and not do the work that we, you know, we had scheduled. So, um, you know, we map things out. We have to be disciplined. We have to make it happen. And it's lots of fun, but it's also at the same time, we all know that we have d- different personalities. And so sometimes those personalities clash and something that you guys pointed out earlier, like when those, when we know that, you know, we, oh my God, man, I did wrong or I shouldn't have like um, answered that way or my tone came out differently then address it like you know what uh, i'm recording this audio because i don't want the text message to be misread or mis- misinterpreted um and then also at you know saying i'm sorry if you know maybe you know me pasé de la raya or i you know i i didn't mean it like that you know and they ca- it came out like that and i think we we we're getting better at that uh but um but it's been lots of fun and um i i wouldn't have picked other friends um uh, outside of Vero and Irene for to kind of like work together. I'm proud of us too. I think that we've grown up a lot in the last three years together. Like we've grown a lot as women. We've grown a lot as friends, but that whole friends thing, you know, that line, I personally can blur the line and I can like get into screaming matches and fight. Like me and Vero can get into it. And then I realized like, that wasn't okay. Like that's, I wouldn't act like that in my other business setting with my other business hat. Like, why did I treat Veto like that? Like, cause then I go to this like sister place with Veto and like, that's not cool. She didn't deserve that either. You know? So I, I will fuck up basically, you know? And it's like, Oh, I got to take that back. So I work on that. Like very specifically, like doing that well, you know, and, and not well, trying to be good at that. You know what I mean? Trying to be good at the places where I don't communicate well and understanding it's because we have this friendship. 
you know, because we have this friendship, it's really easy to blur the line. Like Ceci said, we can maybe blow things off if we weren't going to be strong and like committed to it, right? Because friends, it's easy to be like, I'll forget it. We don't have to do it. But this is a business that we're building. So that holding each other accountable, it's like, imagine three CEOs slash friends. Like, ooh, we had to learn how to hold each other accountable. There's a lot of like infighting in the first year trying to figure out how to hold each other accountable, how to hold deadlines, how to be fair about the way the business works and the delegation of tasks. And of course, that came with a lot of drama and also having to be like, but I still love you. I still love you, my friend, you know, and this weird thing that comes with being friends for over 20 years and now trying to run a business together like that. It's like when spouses try to run businesses together, many end in divorce you know, for a reason, because they can create a really huge business, but they're better as business partners than not married spouses. I don't want to break up with my friends here. So like tooth and nail, <laughs> we try to make it work. Um, I agree. It's, um, it is challenging, it, but at the same time, it's very rewarding <laughs> because you're growing in this new aspect of who you are with your friends, right? And they're challenging you. And sometimes you think, well, ya lo sé todo, and we really don't. Mm -hmm. So it's part of being a leader, right? You're like, oh, you know what? What, what is that saying? Like good leaders uh, know when to follow, right? And and it's one of those things where it's like, you know what, Ceci, you're right. Let's do things this way. And and it's like, we don't have all the answers. And that's why I think it's beautiful with Level of Latina that we have three very unique minds with very unique experiences. But at the end of the day, um, these three strong personalities that some of us might be, you know, we might show or portray ourselves a little bit differently, but we're very strong-minded women, you know, and and we want the best for our, Not it doesn't come down to like for what we want, but what we're building is beyond us in this case, yeah. right? And sometimes like keeping the, the, uh, the, the, our minds on the bigger picture, like our, our focus on the bigger picture, that's when we're like, okay, all right, well, maybe I, I need to step back or maybe just, to, you know, not get into the, you know, into these discussions about this, because really what we need to focus is on this. Oops, sorry, I just knocked over my mic. Um, so it is challenging, but it's lovely because our friends, you know, as, as Ceci and, my, and Irene and myself, we went to college together. That's a very, uh, you know, unusual little time period of our lives. You know, it's like it doesn't take 10 years to open up and finally confess, like, I kissed a girl or, or whatever. You know, it's like it's one of those things like, oh, my God, you know, like you, yeah, we're, very such, we're very bonded. <laughs> but it's more like I was there. <laughs> we were there. Girl, I we have such you. blackmail material. We have to make this business work. <laughs> we have to make this business work. We'll blackmail each other. What'd you say, What'd you say? Thank God we didn't have social media back then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh Let's just say we're so grateful because maybe we're all might, you know, I one of us decides to run for office or something. Who knows? Um, but it, it, the point is that when you, you're in those, you know, college is such a unique time of your life and you open up so much more faster and you share yourself so openly with these with these with other people. Like that's the first time I learned to have close, close female friends. I did have a few throughout my life through high school and that I still keep in touch with. But then. You know, we went to college and we start, We were part of this organization called Hermanas Unidas, and it really built this bond. You know, you're. I'm like, wow, this is what it's like to have friend friendships and relationships with women. Um, and with that, it really reinforces who we are today. Where it's like, okay, my friends are. Sometimes we might say things we don't mean. Let's hold back. Let's you know make sure. Let's be more mindful about things. And at the end of the day, we want the best for the overall. So it's fun because that's also my. You know, with the pandemic and being sheltered at home, we throw this on that. You know, we might go out here and there, but it's like that's my friend time in a sense, mm -hmm. my social time, mm -hmm. and it really has made it 
Like, I don't want to mess that up because it's, it's mm-hmm. very important to me. It's important to them. And it's important overall to what mm-hmm. we are building. And mm-hmm. we owe it to those women mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. be better. Mm-hmm. So basically what I'm hearing is for the sake of the rest of us Latinas, you ladies will <laughs> stay friends. <laughs> and yes. 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 Exactly. We need to do a show like every year to yeah. still like, make yeah. sure. And yeah. we'll, if, if it's not happening, then we'll bring a therapist. Like we'll, yes. we'll do an intervention. Okay. Go. We got yeah. it. We'll, we'll call it the Amiga check-in. Yes. Love it. Ladies, before we let you go, we love asking what are um, our guests reading? It can be, you know, fiction, nonfiction, professional. Let us know what what is on the list. I'm actually going to take note because I do write it within our community. Okay. That I is- actually, oh, sorry. That's a great idea. I really want to. No, go for it. Um, I just finished Radical Candor by Kim Scott. And it was recommended by a good friend after, um, I, I, I had talked about it just like a challenging situation with, you know, working with my two friends. And she's like, you know what? You want to approach your, you know, these relationships are valuable to you. You care about them and make sure that the way you address your team, which in this case are your two good friends and they're your business partners and your co-founders of this great organization, read this book and really like reflect on how you want to show up for them. So I read Radical Candor, Kim Scott. It's great. I recommend it to, to everyone. I had my book close and then I don't know what I did with it, but I'm reading right now Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. And he's the one that wrote Start With Why. And he's incredible. He has the whole TED Talk and that book's really good. And my staff actually wanted to read a book because we used to do that before. And they're like, we should bring back reading a book together. So they picked that book and I really enjoyed it. I'm actually listening to the audio, but I like to pick up the actual book and sometimes sit and read it. But two books that I love to recommend, and I think they're perfect for this topic on perfectionism, would be The Four Agreements, you know, Don Ruiz, when we get Ruiz. Right. That's a perfect book, I think, in terms of just like being your best self and like letting go of perfectionism. And it gives you such great tools, the four tips of the four agreements. And then for teams, business partners, gosh, really anybody in any kind of business, you don't have to be the leader necessarily. The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Leoncelli. Everything he writes is good, but Five Dysfunctions of a Team is fantastic. We had a whole business retreat on this a few years back and it really helped my staff get to a really great place. It's kind of like what Vettel said about being approachable and being able to like tell your boss the tough things and vice versa, you know, not having fake harmony. And this book really focuses on that. So again, for perfectionism, like a team that looks like they have it all together, but don't truly, they're not really succeeding. They're not growing. They're not, they're just not able to have really tough, you know, conversations and that's one dysfunction. So there's five in this book and it's incredible and it really helps you bring together great teams and get the wrong people off the bus and the right people on the bus. Because teams are also really about dynamic and structure and how to, as a leader, really make sure that you're not just dragging along people that don't want to be there or aren't bringing positive things or they're negative. And so this book really sets the tone. So if people can read it with their staff, even better bonus points, but five dysfunctions of the team is really good. I love it. Anything around psychological safety in the workplace is something that everyone should be reading about. Love it. How about you, Ceci? Oh, sorry, I was muted. Uh, I also read uh, The Four Agreements just this this year, and I really liked it. Um, I actually read it. I read it in Spanish, thinking that um, it had been written in, in Spanish, but it wasn't. It was written originally in, in English, and then it was translated. But anyway, I really liked it, and then I made sure that I wrote the four agreements and any other ideas around it within my journal. So I like to look back at it uh, whenever I'm, you know, writing into the the journal. And then the other one that uh, I do a lot of audio 
uh, books. Um, I just that's what I have time for during my walks and or runs. And so I did uh, the likability trap by Alisa mm -hmm. Mendes. Um, if you guys haven't oh, awesome. or heard it, yes, it's so cool. I love the stories and the women that she interviews. It's just um, it's really relatable. It's really mm -hmm. relatable. So I really enjoyed it, and um, I think I'm gonna listen to it again just because I I liked it so much. Yeah, it's um, one of those good, really good audiobooks yeah. that be, it's like light enough that you can listen to while you're doing many yeah. things, but it's yeah. deep enough that stops you. Like, you está cocinando, and it's like, oh, sí. Okay. Sí, oh sí. okay, I got you. I got you. Yeah. 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 She's just a great author and communicator, too. Like, she's incredible. Mm -hmm. I think it just makes it work. There's one more book that I always keep by my bedside that I've had. Um, that a friend gave me maybe like six years ago. And it's called The Greatest Salesman in the World mm -hmm. by O.G. Mandino. And it's a lot, a very philosophical and people think it's only about sales, but I feel it really helps you just um, create a new habit and, and the way you interact with people. Um, one, of the, one, of the, one of the things he talks about is love. The people, how when you interact with someone, Interact with them with love, like giving them like the thinking in your mind, like, I love you, like not sick wise. Okay. Like nothing like that, but it's very like interacting with people with love because when you show up when you, with people that you love, you really show up meaningful, you know, mindful and, and caring. And that person's going to feel that. And it's going to be allow for more people, you know, for you to be open communication. We talked about, and just makes whatever transaction you want to call it or your interaction feel more of an interaction instead of a transaction. So it's a great book. It's a it, it helps with, you know, in every aspect of your life, you can use the four things he talks about. And, it, you know, you read each part of the book uh, for 30 days. So you repeat it. Para que se te quede metido en la mente. So you, this little book is great to have like, on my bedside. Like today, I'm going to read, read this one again. And, and it's good yeah. to just remind yourself of those things. So OG Mandino. I, you know, I call him OG, but it's Og Mandino, just because I really think he's a gangster with this book, for real. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. I love it. Irene, what was the one you had said? It was Leaders Need. Leaders Eat Last oh, by eat. Simon Sinek. Leaders Got Eat it. Last. Okay. And then, of course, he wrote um, Start With Why. Awesome. Got it. So where can our listeners learn more about what you do? All right. We're like giving each other googly eyes to see who goes yeah. next. So our listeners can find us online. We are really active on Instagram and Facebook at Level Up Latina is our handle. And you can find our website, which is simply leveluplatina.com to get more information on our guilt-free squad, which is our community of women that come together and do this kind of work together. Amazing workshops, amazing stuff happening behind the scenes in our private chat. I mean, it's a really, really great group of women. So get that information at leveluplatina.com. Also our assessments. We're coaches, true and true. It's what we do above all. We really want to transform lives. So our coaching is the best aspect of our work. We obviously mentioned our podcast a little bit earlier. So find our podcast, the Level Up Latina podcast across platforms. But that's like surface coaching. And that's more of this. And that's your friends. And that's kind of talking about these concepts. But really that one-on-one -on -one coaching that we do, you can find out all about it online and sign up for an assessment. The assessment's always free. And you'll fall in love with us. You'll fall in love with this work. And the hope is that you transform. So thanks for giving us a chance to talk about where they can find us. Yay, of course. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited about this episode. Thank you for the book recommendations, for the leadership, entrepreneurship, collaboration, life advice yeah. and support today. And don't forget, levelablatina.com 
to work with Irene, Vero, and Ceci. And don't forget to join the Making Leader Moves community, the podcast community on Facebook. And if you have questions, send your questions to makingleadermoves at gmail.com. Thank you again for joining us. And Thank we'll you. we'll schedule the check-in in you a year. <laughs> you got it. Yes. Me up. I'm ready. We're going to be bigger and better yeah. than ever. Thank you. We're so thank proud so of this organization much. that you're building. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for bringing this to our community. Thank you. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. Viva la mujer. Yes. Que se te resbale, Ceci. Que se te resbale. Eso. <laughs>